0: I'm excited for today we're continuing our relationship series and this has been a phenomenal um, series just to be a part of and seeing God move uh, in just miraculous ways. Week week one we talked about forgiveness and what that means for relationships and then Pastor Dan talked about friendships. Last week we talked about families and we talked about uh, huddling together and getting on one mission and I mean it was a really touching week for me this week as I received multiple emails of people just communicating to me, we were at the brink. We were right there. And we've decided to give our life back to Christ and our family back to Christ. And we're staying together. I mean, multiple emails. Like, we may just celebrate God for that and what he's doing? And. Uh, today we are um, discussing relationships that are not easily broken when it comes to the church. And our relationship with the church and what that should look like. Uh, and it 's a big day for us as we 've prepared this and i 'm glad that this part of the series felt around this time of the year because we are coming close to a pretty significant anniversary for us as Grace Church uh, about a year ago this time uh, our our founding senior pastor got sick, and it was actually at eleven o 'clock service we walked up here and said he won yeah we 're going to be watching a video today anybody anybody been here for that whole time and like I want to say thank you, and um, the reason why I'm starting this is we were in a season that felt like we could have been broken as a church. You know, we had a lot of stuff, a lot of unknown. We didn't know what was going on with our, our founding pastor, senior leader, and we didn't know what the future looked like. But God was in control the whole time. I mean, I think I look back at this year where people would have said, oh, this is when they're going to break. Last baptism, 86 people got baptized on that week. You know, and we want to spend time today talking. And just see the amount of families. I mean, you know, God is moving. And we've made it through this year. Not just made it, God is doing amazing things. And as we talk about our relationship with the church and what that looks like, I thought it would only be fitting if we did a little, you know, co-teaching today. And so, uh, can we, Dan, why don't you come out? Come on, join us, Dan. Come on. How you doing, boss? I'm doing all right. How Good. you doing? Good. Good. Good, All right.
1: Hey, Grace Church, how you guys doing? Awesome, so we're going to talk about the church today, and I want to start with this idea that, you know, the church is sometimes a really difficult place to be. Have you found that to be true? Hmm. I mean, you know, when you think about how the, how the world sees the church, the church is very unpopular. It is, uh, it is a place where sometimes we get hurt. Anybody here ever been hurt inside the church? Come on now, raise your hand. Hi, so I can see you. All right, so we put you on camera saying that. <laughs> All right, amen. So... Uh, We wanna talk about, we wanna lay a foundation for you because the church of Jesus Christ is so important and it's so crucial for you and I to have that foundation laid. So this morning I wanna start with the idea of why the church, why is a relationship with the church so important? So with that in mind, uh, if you brought your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. It'll be on the screen if you haven't got a Bible with you or a phone with you. So Matthew chapter 16, and I want to talk about a dialogue that Jesus had with his disciples and with Peter in particular. So, this is what it says. Starting in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? That's a great question, right? Who do, man, who do people say that I am? That's what Jesus is asking them. Well, the, the disciples replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them. He looked at the disciples in the eye and he asked them, but who do you say that I am? That's a very important question. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, who always answers for the disciples, answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are the blessed Simon son of John because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Stop there for just a second. It isn't that Jesus now is going to build his church on Peter. What he's building his church on is Peter's confession. Hmm, That Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's what the foundation of the church is. That you and I hold this truth and this, this amazing reality that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, and that he is the founder of the church and that he's gonna build his, his church on the confession of you and I, Peter, and you and I as we have confessed that for 2,000 years of church history. So as we read on in this verse, it says, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And this is, this is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, and it says, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And so in this particular version, this is the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation is at best a little bit weak here in this particular translation because most of the other translations translate this a little differently and so I want to I want to suggest to you probably a stronger translation the issue isn't that you and I are covered, you know, kind of cowering in a corner and somehow, you know, God is protecting us and and the hell can't get to us. That's not the picture here. The picture is is that hell itself cannot withstand the gates of the church. The church is the one that's the aggressor mm-hmm. and that is such a main fa- fascinating, powerful, awesome thing that when you think of that's who we are. We are the body of Christ, the church. And so this isn't a weak organization. This is a powerful Amazing body of Christ so then the next question that I would like to answer if you don't mind Shane keep going, I'll, just, yeah, I'll, just, I'll keep going for a while so, <laughs> so the next question I'd like to answer is so what is the church okay so we talk about church and there's a lot of different ideas about what the church is so let's just take a time out here slow it down a bit and let's talk about what the church is so if I'm going to commit myself to a life in the church I need to know exactly what it is hmm. so first of all I'm going to say what it's not the church is not an organization. i am say I'm saying to you again. The church is not an organization. It isn't that we got together in 1990 and said, let's organize the church. The church is not that at all. In fact, what the Bible teaches us is that the church is a living organism. It's alive. Yeah. Christ is the head, and you and I are the body of Jesus Christ. And so this is an organism that has life and breath, and it's on the move, and it is, it is far more than just an organization. That's the first thing that I'd like you to understand about the church is that this isn't my invention, this isn't Shane's invention, this isn't Peter's invention, this was Jesus birthing something that was alive and real 2,000 years ago. So, and what is fascinating is, is that we get to be, we're called the body. You and I get a part of this piece, of this, this amazing thing that God is doing. So how important is the church to Jesus? How important is the church to Jesus? That's a great question. Because here's what I've discovered about, about life is that I am certain that the church is far more important to, to Jesus than it is to you and I. Mm,
0: that's
1: good. And so let's just think about that for just a few minutes. And let's just kind of wrap our minds around that because if you don't get this, bottom line is, is that when a hurt happens in your life, you're liable to just drop out. Stop tending. Stop, stop being a part of the body of Christ you know kind of being a you know an independent contractor out there you know i i know you won't deny your faith in jesus at least i hope you won't but the reality is is that you need to be a part of the of the body of christ until you take your last breath and it and it needs to be a part of your a part of your foundation it needs to be a part of who you are so how important is the church to jesus well he died for the church he laid his life down went to the cross died on that cross for you and I not only, to, not only for you and I to have this right relationship with God through Jesus but he also established the reality and the, and the price of this church that he birthed yeah. and it is a beautiful picture of how important the church is so then we want to ask the question what is the purpose of the church I mean is it the purpose of the church so that Shane can have a salary is that the real purpose of it <laughs> Amen. I hope not I hope not too I hope not too because you know that would be sad wouldn't it so so the purpose of the church is not so that so that we exist for ourselves the purpose of the church is far deeper than that first of all i think there's three aspects of the purpose of the church the first aspect of the the purpose of the church is number one it is to be on mission with jesus christ we as as his disciples are to be on mission with jesus christ to make disciples yes that is we're, we're in this reproduction process and so the purpose of the church is for you to join forces with the body of Christ and together we make disciples of Jesus, of, of Jesus Christ we make disciples of people that are in the world that's the first thing that I would say the second purpose of the church is I think it is to abide in Jesus Christ one of the things that fascinates me is the night before Jesus was crucified he takes his disciples into an, into an upper room and in this upper room he talks to them about mission and strategy and important things if you were going to die the next day and you gathered your closest friends around you you'd probably talk about things that are really important right yep. and so in John chapter 15 Jesus takes his disciples into this upper room and he says to them John 15 he says I am, I am, I am the vine and you are the branches and my father is the gardener and by the way, just so you know, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. Hmm. So the only hope you have to survive this is what he's saying to his disciples, "The only hope you have to survive is to abide in me, to take your abode up in me, to, to put your whole faith, not at 50 percent of it, not 75 percent of it, put your whole faith in Jesus, and start living out your life on that basis. Yeah. And to abide in Him. That is the nature of what a child of God does and so the purpose of the church is to create an environment where abiding takes place and when we abide in Jesus Christ what happens is is that we then begin we we then are placed in a position as a fruit-bearing person with God so time out here I'm going to ask you a tough question so look me in the eye this one right here is my best eye (laughs) And answer this honestly as if Jesus were answering, asking you this question. Do you consider yourself, do you consider yourself to be in a fruit-bearing relationship with Jesus? I'm not asking you if you're a church member. That's a good question. I'm not asking you if you are, you know, just a devoted follower. I'm asking you, are you in a fruit-bearing relationship with a living Christ? That is so important for you to answer that question right because someday, when you step into eternity, that's the question. That's the evaluation standard. So this is a really big deal to Jesus. And so not only are we to make disciples of all the nations, but we're to be in this fruit-bearing relationship with Jesus Himself. And then thirdly, I think that, I think we labor for the kingdom. I think the third purpose of the church is is that we labor for the kingdom. I'm going to say this later on in the message after Shane says a few things. (laughs) And I'm going to come back and say a few things. But I'm going to say this to to you early on or later on. But here's the thing. The very first sermon Jesus preached, the very first thing he said when when his ministry went public is he taught about the kingdom. He taught about the kingdom. Matthew chapter 6 is about the ethics of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is so important so what is the purpose of the church the purpose of the church is to propagate the kingdom of God on this planet one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to establish his kingdom on this planet
0: amen
1: until then you know our job description is we're to be about the kingdom we're to think kingdom we're to we're to we're to live kingdom in everything we do we're to seek first the kingdom. We'll come back to that verse in just a minute. But Shane, that's so important for them yeah. to understand that. Yeah, and
0: you left me a couple minutes. So to I did. <laughs> uh, I want to I pause before you know, we go any further. When it comes to the church, I, I, I don't want to move past this point. Dan just did an amazing job describing what the church is and what it looks like. When it comes to the church, I think if we're honest, we have sometimes a mindset that in the year 2022, the church is diminishing. If we're honest with ourselves, we, we don't see it as this powerful organism like Dan just described. I think it's important for us as parts of the body of Christ, of the church, we need to remember that the church is not a small and weak organism. In fact, the church has survived dictators for thousands of years. It's survived governments that have tried to tear it down. The disciples, when they started the church, were running for their life and even laying their life down. People were murdering people for claiming the name of the Jesus. Governments have fallen. Political parties have fallen. But the church of Jesus Christ is still strong today. And it is true today. It's... You know... I, I, Dan doesn't know this about me but I used to be a fighter I used to fight and I used to get angry forgive me Dan I did. and um, Jesus already has so yeah. um, you know, but whenever I would walk into a fight I wouldn't walk into a fight with like a puppy dog mentality I hope I win this fight No, I was proud and bold and stepped into the fight believing that I was going to win. As a member of the church, as we are are part of this body, as we share the gospel and the good news of Jesus, let's step into this believing that we serve a big God, that the church is still moving, that salvations are still happening, and believe that he's powerful. Amen? All right.
1: That was good.
0: Yeah. Let me get to my notes now. So now let's ask the question, what is your role? What is your role? What is my role when it comes to the church? We know what the church is, but how are we supposed to interact with it? What's our role in the church? I want to turn to Romans 12, verse 2. It says this. In verse 2 of Romans 12, it says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. Stop there for a sec. This important line. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. Yes, it's talking to the individual believer here, but it's also talking to us as the church. That if we are part of the body of Christ and we are in the family of God, we should be set apart from the world. We do not exist to mold and to to shape into culture. We exist to bring people out of darkness into light. We exist to change culture, not be changed by it. That's what the body of Christ exists for. So we have to do this. And how do we do this? Is we let uh, God transform us into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God. God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And then you jump down just a couple verses to verse 4. It says this. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. What this is painting the picture of is when it comes to the body of Christ, we are all unique in it. Not everybody in this church is designed to be Dan. Thank goodness. Right? Amen. <laughs> like, Amen. I thought it was funny. <laughs> we, we are unique. We have different gifts and abilities that god has given us to bring to the table and bring to this organism the church we, and when we exist in it and it's important for us to remember that our uniqueness should be celebrated we shouldn't be trying to fit into certain molds we should be getting these gifts from god and using them in a powerful way so, so how do i have a question yes
1: so does that mean
0: everybody here everyone everybody here yes. that claims christ yes is, yeah, everyone, whoever, if you, if you are in this place and you've claimed the name of Jesus And you've confessed and given your life to him You are a part of the body of Christ And you have a role to serve And if you are not acting in that There's a part of it missing yeah. That's a very crucial yeah. point So how do we do this? Uh, we emotionally invest The first thing we need to do is we need to emotionally invest And what this looks like is three things Number one, how do we emotionally invest? Is by being present Have you ever talked to someone who's not really there? I do it every Sunday (laughs) 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 You know when you're talking to someone And you're talking to them But they're somewhere else They're thinking about the football game later They're thinking about the struggle they have They're thinking about the stress in their life And you are talking to them And you know that they're not really there Sometimes if we're honest When it comes to us And our role in the church We are like that We come here we, we hear about Jesus, but we are not fully present and in the moment where we allow him to work in us and change us. We need to be present. We need to really be here. Not just be here, but be here. Mentally engaged. The second thing, how we emotionally invest, is we need to be open. As a part of the body of Christ, this calls us into openness. The best way I can describe it is, we are all patients on the operating room of Jesus. And we are called to open up our lives to him and allow him to work in powerful ways in us and change in us. But if we come to the church and we invest in the church at a closed off, distant relationship, without openness, we're not creating that opportunity for Christ to do a work in us. When we emotionally invest, we need to be present, we need to be open, and we also need to be authentic. As a member of this church, a member of the church... Your call to authenticity. I want to just say this. That fake you that you want everybody to think you are is not what's needed in the church. I mean, I, I, let me put that, like that, that you who has convinced everyone that your kids never cry, that you and your spouse never get in a fight, and when you walk, rose petals fly. That is not the you that the church needs. That's not the you that Jesus even wants. Jesus wants the broken, messed up you. The ones whose kids are always screaming. The ones who you're getting fights but you're working through it and when it follows you and falls from the sky, it just seems like brokenness. This authentic you is needed in the body because it can't do anything with the masked fake you. But there can be miraculous work done in us when we bring the real authentic us to the table. Amen. The next thing we need to do is not just emotionally invest. We need to personally invest. In this line here, it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. You have a role to play in the church that God has designed you specifically for, specifically for to contribute to the greater church. You have a role to play. You are important to the church. Yeah, we we all can't sing like Grayson. Even though some of us try. You know, and but we have a role. There's something that you're designed to do. And I think we can look at our role and how we're supposed to engage with the church in three ways. Very simple our time, our talent, and our treasure. These three things is what we are called to do when it comes to investing in the church. When it comes to our time, are we making church the priority? Is is church, is Jesus the priority on our calendar? Or is it just another line item? You know, I, I know there's a lot of things going on, and I watch some of these sports families who have kids in multiple sports. Have you ever watched these families? They're crazy. You know, it's like I'll be in the phone call. Hey, I got basketball at three, we got soccer at six, we got dance at seven, we got to cross town, we're gonna sprint. It's wild. You can see that there's a prioritizing of this act. What if we took the same mindset when it came to our role in the church? Gosh, I got got this thing I got to do for the church. I got to serve here. I got to connect here. I got to be here on Tuesday. And I'm going to worship here on Thursday. I'm going to have devotional time on Wednesday. And that's what our calendar looked like. We've got to be honest with ourselves. If we want to be a church that's not easily broken, church just being a part of our life is a great way to have that relationship broken. Our relationship with the church should be our life. Not just a part of it. Amen. We should be invested on a deeper level. So that when it comes to our time, are we prioritizing the church? What about your talent? And I know some of you, the moment I said that, you said, Shane, I'm not talented. I I don't have what it takes. I look and I serve. I can't sing. I can't I can't preach. I you know, I'm not I'm not even friendly, so I can't greet. I don't have it, Shane. I don't have my talent. Well, scripture says different. And scripture doesn't lie. That you are created for a specific reason and a specific role in the church. You have a talent that is needed for the kingdom of God. I have a friend of mine who uh, paints these beautiful pictures. And she painted these pictures for a long time and would try to sell them. And there was just nothing really happening. But she was an amazing artist. One day, she has this radical moment with Jesus transforms her thinking to giving her talent to Jesus, and she starts to paint pictures of kids in Africa uh, as they are receiving water for the first time. And all the money she raised went to digging wells in Africa. Guess what happened to her business? Skyrocketed because her perspective and her purpose had changed. It was no longer just about making money. It was about building into the kingdom of God. The third thing, speaking of money, is our treasure, I know a lot of you just gripped your pocketbook and said, here we go again. And Dan made a joke about this earlier. It's not about my paycheck. When it comes to our treasure, this is often what I think is the easiest place for us to start when it comes to investment in the church, but it's often the most hard for us. It's hard for us to get to this place, but it's an easy place to start, for us to say that we are investing financially into the kingdom of God. This quote um, that I found by Jonathan Swift says this, a wise person should have money in their head, but not in their heart. A wise person should think through money, should be financially responsible, but it should not own their heart. And the only way for us to get to the place where we are financially free and it doesn't control us, is by surrendering it to Jesus. That's why every week we talk about this when we say, we think giving changes the heart. We believe that. And it's not like, if if you're a follower of Christ, it's not like we're giving God our money. If you know Jesus and you know his word, you are really giving him back his money. That's what we're doing. It's like, we're like, God, you can have this back. When Our thought and when it comes to our finances should be, I am blessed beyond measure for everything Christ has given me. And I want to give back to him as much as I can. I know this is a hard topic. And I know this is something that's hard to work through. But when it comes to what Dan is going to talk about in just a second, the kingdom of God, us releasing our money and the grip it has on our life and submitting it to Christ is key to making this happen so let's talk about the future of the church yeah so let me just add just one thing to what he said
1: first so the bottom line is is that whatever I invest in there's my heart yeah so when I don't invest right I get all twisted around so when you invest in the kingdom when you invest in the kingdom of God the bottom line is that you're sold out your heart follows that that's why it's such an important thing it's not that God needs your money he wants your heart yeah. and he knows that you'll follow whatever you invest in so when you think about that how important that is and how how crucial that is to your life you see giving isn't for God it's for you Yeah, and that is something that I think so many people would just misunderstand is that giving is for me it's for me to make sure my priorities are set so let me just transition to the idea of what is the future of the church so when you think about the future of the of church let's talk about the future of this church Grace Church so here's what I think first of all Christ is the head of the church he is the one who is going to complete this church he is the one that established this church I didn't found this church I was just the bag boy that put the groceries together in 1990 and then what happened is is that God you know I put the groceries together and God established the church and it was established on the kingdom of God and the truth is is that this church will have a success when it focuses in on the kingdom So the purpose of this church is to stay then focused on kingdom-mindedness. And it's so easy for you and I as believers to drift away from that, to drift away from the idea that we're kingdom-minded. And oftentimes, what it comes down to is the wrong priorities in our life. As Shane said just a few minutes ago, oftentimes the priority of our life is our job, our family, our marriage. And those are all important things, but they're not the priority. The priority is God. The priority is the kingdom of God. And so as you begin to think about what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? What does that mean? It means literally that I am putting his kingdom at the top of the list and everything, if something gets canceled, it's not the kingdom of God stuff. It's the stuff that is just, I'm just filling my life with, things that aren't going to matter. When Jesus comes back, I'm going to guess that about 90 to, ninety to 95% of the stuff that you're involved in is going to get burned up when Jesus comes back, and it will be gone. Yeah. And what will remain is what I accomplished or what I did for the kingdom of God. So that is such an important thing. So the purpose of this church is to be kingdom-minded. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Above all else, say that with me. Above all else, and He will give you everything you need. That is so so powerful, and so important. So ten years ago, I had this other illness related to the illness that I have now. They just didn't fix it then, and so so I was in my backyard one day, and the Spirit of God just started speaking to me, and I, and uh, you know, basically said, God said, "Son, get out a pen and start writing some stuff down." So that's what I did. And so the DNA of Grace Church came out of that session I had, that counseling session I had with God. And uh, one of the primary things that God spoke to me about was the idea of the kingdom. Yeah. We're not about building an organization. We're about building the kingdom of God. We're about cooperating with God as he builds the kingdom of God through us. And it is so important for you to grab a hold of that concept to be kingdom-minded is probably one of the greatest transitions that a young believer has to make. You come to know Jesus, and you get your sins washed away, you get your, all, those, all those sins forgiven, and you're in this beautiful relationship with Jesus. But now, what God is asking you to do is to step out and really be kingdom-minded. Yeah. And to live your life for the sake of the kingdom. And when you do that, it is great glory to God. There's no greater way to glorify God than to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness Amen. and allow everything else to fall in its proper place in its proper time. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So look me in the eyes one more time. Some of you haven't made that decision yet. Some of you are still living your life as if you were the priority, as if you were the king of kings and lord of lords, and you're not, you're not God, he is. Yeah. And so the, the role that you should play now is for you to line yourself up with the kingdom and ask the question regularly Shane's going to talk about this in just a minute but ask yourself regularly as you look yourself in, in the mirror say am I truly kingdom minded because that is, a, that is a that is a conversion in my mind that is so crucial for me to really be productive for the sake of God's kingdom yeah. and let me ask you this and I'll, I'll turn it over to Shane in just a second I'm going to give him the last hour to speak <laughs> and so here's the thing don't you want that? come on don't you want that don't you want to hear at the end of your life well done yes well done then you have to make this conversion you have to do something in your mind to say this is something I got to think differently about
0: starting today what do you think Shane the question is how do we do that you know everything Dan talked about is so beautiful. How? What's the next step for us? Last week I talked. I used a lot of football analogies in my message. Amen. Uh, yeah, amen. Amen. It's yeah. good, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I want to close with one today. Uh, you know, it's when you go to a football game. There's something interesting about a game. There's the players on the field and the coaches, and then there's what in the stands, the fans. And, and the fans are cheering. They're waving their pom-poms. They're clapping. But they are not in the game. When it comes to us being kingdom-minded, it comes to our relationship with the church, we have to ask ourselves a simple question. Am I in the game? So good. Am I in the game? Or am I a spectator who has become really good at cheering for Jesus? And when the church does something, because I cheered for them, I take credit for the win. When the church does a movement or a challenge and I'm not really invested, but I'm a part of it, you know, I'm good at cheering it on. Ask yourself the simple question, am I playing in the game? Do I have skin in the game? Is is it causing me to take leaps of faith in my connection with the church? Is it causing me to trust Jesus? That's a very powerful question for us to think through. Does your current relationship with the church cause you to trust Jesus more or not? If the answer is no, then you're not fully in the game. Because one thing you'll see when it comes to being kingdom-minded and being about the kingdom of God, God is going to call you to take giant leaps of faith over and over again. But that comes when we get out of the stands and into the game. When we go from just being someone who's cheering to someone who's part of making the plays why is this important to me and why did I want to close when I discussed this with Dan the future of the church Dan you're going to be here for a while right Yeah, I plan on being here for a while as well and I want Grace Church this specific church to never lose sight of being kingdom focused that we will, we will be a church that is about the kingdom of God that will see a city in need of Jesus And do everything we can to bring light to darkness. Engage with the community at a level like we've never done before. Bringing hope to the hopeless. Believing that the church and that Jesus is still moving in powerful ways. But it's not gonna happen from just a couple of pastors talking about it. It's gonna happen when the body of Christ uses their gifts, jumps out of the fan seats and says, give me the ball, give me the ball. I'm ready to trust God with my life. I'm ready to be in the game when it, th- when it comes to moving the kingdom forward. My prayer for you this week is you'll challenge yourself with this. You have a really heart-to-heart moment with yourself, with your family, because you want. when we talk about relationships being easily broken, a fandom relationship with the church is easily broken. But when you are in the game, when you're invested, like we talked about today, that is not easily broken. So I want to challenge you with this. Evaluate from what Dan and myself have talked about this week. Where are you? Where are you when it comes to the church, when it comes to the body of Christ? Are you fulfilling your role you've been called to? Are you using the gifts God has given you? Are you in the game? And I want you to think about that this week and take steps towards that if you're not. But Dan, would you pray for us? I'd love to. So Lord God, as I come before you this morning, God, I
1: thank you, Father, for the church. I thank you, Lord, that it is so good to be a part of the body of Christ. There's no greater joy than to know that your life counts. And my prayer, God, today is that you'll make all of us so uncomfortable with our seats in the stands that we can't stand it they will come out of the stands and into the onto the playing field, God, and they will ask for the ball. God, I pray that you would make us so uncomfortable, God, that we can't we just can't stand it until that happens in our life that we will truly as Shane said, God, be people who are not just spectators but players. My prayer for all of us is that when Satan thinks about our name that he would cringe because we are a part of a dynamic, powerful organism called the body of Christ. And I pray these things in Christ's holy and powerful and wonderful name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. amen.